How are we doing? You guys doing well? You guys ready to get into the Word of God? This is why we're here, right? I mean, snack bar is nice. Hanging out is nice. Uh, playing Riverbank is fun. But we are here to seek the living God. And it's amazing that he would, he would actually want to speak to us tonight. And that we are going to have the ability to hear from him through the Word of God. And so if you guys have your Bibles, you can open up to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, we started our series last week uh, in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, uh, looking at a series called By Faith. And tonight, we are looking at a message entitled, Faith Brings Understanding. All right? Faith Brings Understanding. And we're going to be looking at the next couple verses uh, together. Uh, if you guys were here last week, then you'll, uh, what will come to mind is that we studied one singular verse, and that was kind of the kickoff uh, to our series on faith. And I just want to remind you of a few things, and as we continue with that topic, every week the topic is going to be the topic of faith. It is uh, one of the single most important words in the Bible. That's why if you go right outside this building and see two words on top of the, on the side of the main sanctuary, one of them is faith. Um, and faith is more than just empty believism, right? Faith is more than just, I'm going to hope for the best. Remember, we talked about last week that faith is an action word where we put our full trust and reliance upon someone or something. And the author of Hebrews told us last week as we studied that faith is actually the substance or the confidence of things we have hoped for, right? Remember we talked about that? The other word was that faith is the evidence or the proof of the things that we cannot physically see. You see, faith is not believing something for which there is no evidence. You know what that would be? You know what? To believe something without any evidence is called stupidity, okay? That's not what faith is. Faith is placing your trust in something or someone when you have good reason to believe. Do you guys know who Mark Twain is? Maybe some of you do, some of you don't. He's a famous author of a, a long time ago. And he defined faith as believing what you know ain't so. He said, faith is just believing what you know ain't so. And this is how many people look at faith today. They think faith is believing in something that doesn't make sense. They look at faith as contrary to reason. They think that they have to put what they know with their brains to the side and take what the world calls a leap of faith. It doesn't make sense, but just believe it. That's how a lot of people look at the Bible. Oh, the Bible doesn't make any sense. You just have to believe what it says. Some people have even wrongly taken this approach when they are asked, hey, why do you believe in God? Why do you believe in the Bible? And so their response at times is, well, I guess I just have faith. Now, that's not the correct answer. The reason that we believe in the Bible is why? Because it's true. Because it, there is evidence that it is the very word of God. We believe in God because there is evidence for his existence. We believe because it corresponds with what is real. We don't believe in God and, and leave our reason to the side. You see, faith is having confidence 
in something that you have not experienced with your senses. You guys remember last week when we talked about blind faith versus biblical faith? And there is a difference. Biblical faith is not blind. It's not, well, just believe it without a reason. It's just the opposite. Remember, faith is the act of believing in something unseen for which we do have good reason to believe. For example, when we believe that God's going to keep a promise to us, why do we believe that? Well, our faith, we put our faith in his promises because we have seen that when God keeps a promise or when God makes a promise, he keeps it. And so we can trust him for future promises. You see, I want you to understand today, the takeaway today is that our faith, listen, is reasonable and it is rational. This is why God says in Isaiah 118, he says, come now. He says, and let us reason together, says the Lord. This idea of reasoning together, essentially God says, hey, come here. And he said, take a seat. He says, take a seat and let's, let's talk through this. That there's this almost this, this intimacy that God calls and he says, let's, let's jointly come to a conclusion. God says, let's take the brain that I gave you and let's think about it. Let's think about it logically and let's see what conclusion we come to. And so I believe that when we are willing to come to the Lord by faith and we have good reasons to do so, then we will be able to come to accurate conclusions about the life and the universe that we live in. And so our focus today will be the truth that faith brings understanding, okay? Faith brings understanding. Let's, let's read our text today, and then we'll pray. You guys have your Bibles open? All right, look with me to verse 2 and 3. For by it... The elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that you would bless the teaching of your word, that as we study the scriptures, we would come to a fuller understanding as we come to you by faith. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. So we find verse two as a connection, okay? So we're going to quickly look at verse two and spend most of our time in verse three. So look in your Bibles. He says, for by it, what was he talking about it? If you're taking notes, you can note down that the it in verse two is speaking of faith. It's speaking of what he just talked about in verse one. The term elders is indicating those who have gone before us that are going to be mentioned by name. Remember, I told you last week that the 11th chapter of Hebrews is known as the hall of faith. There's all these different Old Testament people that are mentioned and given, in a sense, a shout out because they had this reputation of following God, right, by faith, by faith. And we're going to find today that that we're told in verse two that these elders just simply means those who have gone before us, they had a good testimony. And their good reputation was the fact that they followed God by faith. And they had a good name. Now, maybe not in their day, maybe they were looked down upon, but God says, I know their name. 
and even they, they get their name remembered in this hall of faith. But before the author gets into these individual men and women, that's what we're going to do in the following weeks. If you look ahead to verse 4, the first character, the first Old Testament um, person we're going to look at is the man named Abel that we find in Genesis chapter 4. And then we will find uh, in order a lot of different other Old Testament saints. But before he gets into the individual, he wants to bring one more aspect that faith does in the life of a believer. You see, faith in verse 1 is not only the confidence of things that we hope in, and it's not only the evidence for what we cannot see, but this is what we're learning today. And it's the fact that faith is what brings us an accurate understanding of the world that we live in. Now, this statement is very little understood in our world. As I mentioned in our way of introduction, many people see that faith and reason go against each other. That if you have faith, then you got to leave reason at the door. And if you're going to have reason and logic and rationale, if you're going to think with your brain, then don't bring that faith stuff in. But I want to tell you that verse 3, look in your Bibles, we're told that by faith we understand that an accurate understanding of the world that we live in will not be found outside of faith in God and in the word of God. Now, what is it that we understand by faith? Well, look at verse three in your Bibles. We just read it a moment ago. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So what's being said? Well, when the Bible says in verse three, the worlds were framed, it's not just talking about our world and it's not just talking about the planets in our solar system. It is talking about the entire universe, everything uh, within the physical material realm. We learn that it was God who framed or created. He formed everything we see and know. And so knowing that, understanding that by faith, we come to a reasonable conclusion. And what is that reasonable conclusion? Look in your Bibles at verse 3. The conclusion is after the comma, where it says the conclusion is so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. Another way to say it is that the material universe, as we know it, did not create itself. That everything you see, everyone look around, everything you physically see, whether it's in this room or beyond, was not created by something that you can see. It was created by something immaterial outside of the material universe. And the Bible says that that basic understanding of creation comes by faith. Faith brings understanding. I want you to understand tonight that without faith, you cannot fully comprehend and grasp the origin of our universe. So I believe that atheists are at an extreme disadvantage of coming to an accurate conclusion of origins, of the beginning. Why? Because listen, no human 
was there to witness the beginning. Were any of you there in the beginning of the universe as we know it? None of us in this room. And there, in fact, has never been a human to witness that. And so either way, faith must be implemented to to accurately understand the origin of life, faith has to come. Now, whether that is blind faith, as atheists believe, or whether that's rational faith, as you and I, either way, to some extent, because no one was there, that you have to put your faith in something or someone, right? Now, it is by faith that we believe this, but listen, it's not apart from reason. We have good reason to believe verse 3 and trust what God's word says regarding the existence of the universe. Were you guys here during our Genesis series? Was anyone attending Wednesday nights then? Uh, Just a few months ago. Do you remember when we talked about Genesis 1-1? And this is the basis for creation, right? In the beginning, who? God created the heavens and the earth which goes in line with what we're reading here, right? Where God says that in in verse three, we're told that the author of Hebrew tells us that it was God who framed or created, formed uh, the world or the universe. And we talked about then how within the first verse of the Bible, we have time, space, and matter all coming into existence at the exact same time, which are the three necessary ingredients for our universe to exist. This is what we believe as Christians. We believe Genesis 1-1, and we don't believe it blindly. Psalm 33, verse 6 and 9, uh, parallels uh, the verse we just read, verse 3 of chapter 11, and says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth, for he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. See, in verse three, we're told that it was created or framed by the word of the Lord. We believe that God spoke everything into existence. And this is our, what we call our biblical worldview. And I would think that by now, most of what I've said, you're like, yeah, I know and I agree with, especially if you were within our Genesis series, but we gotta, we gotta lay that foundation because this is exactly what verse three is talking about. Now, the reason we're talking about it today is that what we just spoke on, the fact that God spoke everything into existence by the word of God so that the things which are visible were made by what is invisible or immaterial, we got to understand that the majority of the world we live in does not believe that. The majority of our society and our culture does not believe what the Bible says regarding creation. And you will, having that stance, will be looked at as being a person of unreasonableness. That you will be looked at as irrational, and illogical. You'll be looked at as being, in a sense, dumb. And they will pat you on the head and say, oh, you just don't know the science, right? You just don't know the science. Now, the problem isn't with the science, okay? 
I want to tell you guys and assure you, and we're going to go through a couple of things today, the science is on the side of Scripture. Now, you won't hear that many other places. And so the problem isn't with science. The problem is with scientists, people, and the majority of people who study science. Are there good scientists out there? Absolutely. Are they few and far between? It sure seems like it. Remember, science doesn't say anything. Scientists do. Science, you guys know what science is? Science is the observing, the process of observing, experimenting, and testing the physical world around us. Right? Science does not speak. Science just shows what is in our world through tests and experiments. Now, the problem and the disconnect here is the fact that many scientists who study observable science, they come into it with something called a presupposition. That's a big word. Everyone say presupposition. That's a big word. And uh, I, I, I hope you know that I, I don't try to shy away from uh, big words from you sometimes because that's how we grow. That's how we learn. Presupposition. What is that? What do you mean the scientists come into it with a presupposition? It means that they come to it with an assumption before the observation. So they come to science and they, and they look at what they tested, but already they, come, they already came to a conclusion. And what was that conclusion? Whatever I'm about to see in that beaker or that observable test, there's no way that God is the one behind it. They come to it with a conclusion already in their head of what they think is true. And oftentimes that presupposition, that assumption, that conclusion is the fact that no way does God exist and no way can he exist. And you know what that does? When you come to something already decided, you are now distorted in the way that you see it. You're, you're seeing it, but you already concluded, so you really didn't need to see it because the evidence won't change your mind because you already concluded. Does that make sense? Are you guys tracking with that? And so the problem is that, the other problem with science is that we try to take an observable reality and use what we find to conclude how the universe began. The problem is that none of us observed how the universe began. None of us can recreate that. And so we try to look at things that are observable, but look back in your Bibles. Look back in your Bibles. Look at verse 3. The problem with doing that is that you cannot see what created everything. It is the invisible. You cannot use testable science to come to the conclusion of how the material universe came into being. And so what do they do? Because, listen, we can't do that. We can't observe it, but we can't trust. We can't have, right, faith. But what do they do? What, what, do, what do people who do not believe in God do? They come up with theories, right, and hypotheses. Yet what I find most interesting is that the conclusions they come to are not testable in any way. They aren't observable, which is what science is, right? Something that's observable. A prime example of this is what is referred to as the Big Bang. 
You guys ever heard of the Big Bang? Uh, it's rather complicated and convoluted. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But it, what the Big Bang essentially concludes is that the universe as we know it came from a singularity within all mass, energy, and space that was contained in a smaller volume than it is today. That's the, that's the most basic definition, which in and of itself is hard to understand. But the problem with the Big Bang is that it is riddled with unobservable realities. And so, yes, even atheists, they put their faith in what they think might be true. And it doesn't even answer the question at the beginning because then you say, well, what was the material that was existent? Where did that material come to? Where did that energy and mass come from that created the Big Bang, right? And you could just keep going on an infinite number of, well, then what created that? Okay, well, then how did that ever come to being? Well, then what created that? Or what about the example of evolution? Anyone learning about evolution in school? Listen, regardless of what you have heard, you got to understand that there are huge problems with the concept of evolution. They have observed. Now, you got to give it to them, okay? There is observable evolution. Did you know that? Did you know that even us as Christians, you know, we believe in a sort of evolution? It's observable. It's a fact. But it's only within what is called microevolution. You know what micro means? Small. The evolution that we have observed is from within the same species. So God has created animals, this incredible ability that over time in the same environment, that small changes can happen, whether it's in wings or beaks or, or, the, or teeth. And over time, there can be these microevolutions. That's called the genius of God. But what has never been observed, no one has ever seen even a little bit of this, is what they bank their entire theory on, which is called macroevolution. You guys know what macro means? Big. That is from when a species goes from a species to another species, a kind to another kind. There is no fossil record. We've never seen a, a dog start to become a bird. We've never seen any example of what is called macroevolution. Yet it's interesting because what we believe is regarded as blind faith. They think the solutions and answers that we have scripturally are absurd. Yet it is blind faith that they're exactly exercising. You guys know who Frank Turek is? He's an apologist. Uh, it's exciting. He's coming here in May, and there's going to be an apologetics conference on a Saturday that we're going to be inviting you guys to. But he has a book and a phrase that he has coined, and it's this, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. And I think it's relevant with our talk of faith today. Now, that statement is, of course, sarcasm. You guys know what sarcasm is? Meaning he's proving a point with his statement. Because atheists look at us and say, man, you just, you just believe blindly. But Frank would say that in order to believe what atheists believe, oh man, you got to have a lot of faith. But of course, he's not referring to the faith that Hebrews 11.1 1 talks about, that it's the substance and evidence. He's talking about blind faith. 
And so listen, guys, we have many reasons to believe what the Bible says regarding the universe, even outside of the validity of the Bible itself. Now, that's a whole nother topic. Now, I believe that we could sit down and I could prove to you that this is a trustworthy book. And I think many of you could probably prove to me that it's a trustworthy book. Um, There is evidence for that, but that's not the topic of the day. The topic of the day is going to be this. What reasons do we have to trust what is stated in Hebrews 11.3? Look back at your Bibles and don't read it like you've read it before. Read it again. Let's read it again. Why why should we believe this? By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, meaning God spoke and everything came into existence. That's a huge claim, right? That's a really big claim. Is there legitimate, substantial evidence? If we took that claim and went to a court, could we prove with evidence, logic, and reason that that, in fact, statement is true. Now, of course, I believe in the Word of God as a basis for that trust, right? But let's approach it for the next few minutes that we have together and approach it without using the Bible for the sake of argument. I want you to Raise your hand if you know anyone that does not believe in the authority of the Bible. Raise your hand if you know anyone in your life that they say, I, you, could, you could give them a Bible verse and they could care less. In fact, they're almost offended that you even quoted the Bible. You can put your hands down. So with that reality, I think it's important because that's only increasing. When you take a poll of our country, people are believing the Bible less and less. And so I believe it's important that you and I are able to stand on the two feet of reason without even quoting the Bible. Now, that's just the cherry on top and the boom in your face, okay? But we don't need to get there yet. We can, we can say, okay, let's just talk logic, right? You like science. You believe in, I believe in science. Like, you, you believe in it, okay? Well, let's talk about it. Let's reason together, Let's use the brains we have and look at this logically and rationally. Now, what I'm about to present to you is completely stolen. Okay? Completely stolen. And I've stolen it, which everything, did you guys know everything I tell you is stolen? It's plagiarized. I get it right from this book. I plagiarized from God himself. Okay? Uh, And there's lots of other things that we can steal from people. I want to encourage you guys to steal from a guy named Charlie Campbell, okay? This is, uh, now you're not stealing because it's free. But I've told you about this guy over and over again. Raise your hand if you've ever heard me talk about Charlie Campbell and alwaysbeready.com. Yes. And I'm going to keep telling you about it as long as you're in junior high. And then even after, I'm going to find you in high school, hunt you down, and tell you about it again. And And I want to tell you about it because it has changed my life for the last 11 years. Now, ultimately, God's word, but outside of the Bible, uh, this website, when I was in high school, kind of learning and getting my feet under myself, and even now, 11 years later, after following Jesus, like this website has been such a foundation. Why? Because there's answers. And it's like, we know, but how do we say it? Charlie Campbell helps you take from what you know and teaches you how to talk about it, okay? So I'm going to take you through something. Uh, I'm a little intimidated to do it, 
Um, but I think it is so good for us to at least hear, okay? So what I want you to do is just simply write down the different points that we're talking. But what we're going to do over the next ooh, 15, 20 minutes, we're going to set aside the Bible and let's just use our brains. As if there was an atheist in front of us, someone who rejected the Bible, let's reason together. Okay, I want you to write these down. So we're going to go through eight points. And these are eight points that you can use, that you can talk about. Let's just think about it. And I think we need it for ourselves, but also hopefully to equip us. All right, are you guys ready? Are you sure? You guys have your seatbelts on? Helmets on? Uh, mouth guard? All right, this one's simple. First point, let's start in the beginning, even before the beginning. Something exists. What, what do you mean? This is an undeniable true statement. Is, would you agree that something in general exists? Like you exist. Do you believe that you exist? Do you believe that the chair that you're sitting on exists? This is an undeniable truth. And let's say someone says, I reject that concept. If you deny that concept, you are only proving the concept because you are something able to deny it. Okay? Anyone reject something exists? Yeah, some of you always raise your hand. Okay? That one's very simple. Number two. Nothing does not produce something. This is a an old law of science that out of nothing comes nothing. Meaning if you sit in your bedroom and you are supposed to do your homework and you sit on your bed, your homework does not get done on its own. It doesn't happen. Out of nothing comes nothing. And it seems obvious that nothing can do something, right? Think, I want you to think about that word nothing. Everyone say nothing. Nothing cannot see Nothing cannot smell, it cannot act, it cannot think, and certainly nothing can't create something. Literally think about the word nothing, no thing. No thing does not have the power to do anything. It's very simple, that's just, that makes sense. The thought that the universe created itself is riddled with problems. The idea that anything could create itself is absurd. Nothing has ever created itself. For it would have to exist and not exist at the same time. That's an irrational way to think. For something to create itself, it would have had to be before it was. And you're like, Joel, what are you talking about? This is the law of non-contradiction. You know what a contradiction is? To say something and for the opposite to be true. The law of non-contradiction tells us that you can't be here at church right now and also not here. That's an impossibility. You are all here. So you can't be here, but also not here. That, that goes against what is called the law of non-contradiction. But this is what is precisely required for the universe to have created itself, okay? You guys tracking so far? Something exists, absolutely true. Nothing does not produce something. And anyone with a rational thinking brain would be like, that is true. We've never seen nothing all of a sudden become something. As much as you would want for that trash can to walk its little legs that it doesn't have 
out to the trash to dump itself, it doesn't happen. So when your mom tells you to take out the trash, it doesn't actually, it doesn't all of a sudden happen unless someone else does it for you, okay? So with those two confirmed, we move on to number three. So if those two are true, which I think they are, something or someone must have always existed. Now you might say, why? Wait, why would something or someone have always existed? Because listen, to have brought into existence the something that now exists, then something has had to always exist. Nothing does not produce something. Now, some would respond and say, well, couldn't there just have been millions and billions and trillion years of nothing? It, couldn't that be possible? And the answer is no. If there was ever a time, okay, follow, follow with me. If there was ever a time that absolutely nothing existed, nothing would exist now, right? If nothing existed in the past, nothing would exist now. Why? Because of number two. Nothing does not produce something. And so we would just, there would be nothing. You guys following me? You guys tracking? But the reality is that something does exist now. We exist. Our universe exists. Your chair exists. Your Bible exists. Something exists. That goes back to number one. Therefore, there was never a time. Listen, there was never a time that absolutely nothing existed. Okay? You guys tracking? All right. You guys ready for number four? So if we have safely arrived at point number three, we like, okay, first three, I agree with. Then comes number four. If the first three are true, then number four is absolutely true. The universe that we currently live in has not always existed. So for thousands of years, people had concluded that the universe that we live in never had a beginning. This is the thought for, listen, thousands of years. They just thought it just always was. They didn't think about the fact that it would ever have a beginning. It wasn't until more recently that scientific discoveries, so observable tests and evaluations, then scientists came to the conclusion, okay, it was impossible for the universe to never have a beginning. Now, the Bible had made this clear all along. Why? Genesis 1.1. We know there was a beginning. If they had just looked 3,000 years ago at what Moses wrote, then they could have came to the conclusion they came to. But again, that's, the Bible is a topic for another day. And so, listen, there are numerous evidences within the field of astronomy. You guys know what astronomy is? So yeah, it's, it's uh, right science of space. Uh, and they have led um, many people within the scientific community, atheists and believers, which believers already knew, to conclude that, okay, the universe had a beginning. There was a point that it began to exist. And there's a few reasons. Uh, and we do not have time, and nor am I going to bombard you with all of them. But there's some reasons like the motion of galaxies and the expansion of the universe that was discovered by a guy named Edwin Hubble. You guys know the, the Hubble uh, space station, right? That was named after Edwin Hubble, who in, uh, what is it? Yeah, sorry, hu hu telescope, my apologies. In 1929, he discovered that. But this is the big one. The biggest compelling evidence for number four, which if anyone is involved within the scientific community, this is agreed upon, 
is the second law of thermodynamics. And you're like, holy moly, Joel, you, you lost me. Sec- have you ever heard, raise your hand if you've ever heard of second law of thermodynamics. Okay, so all that that means is that energy is getting less and less. That, that kind of like, have you ever left a flashlight on and over time it, it died? And then you came back to it and, oh, okay, the, the batteries are out. It's this concept that what we have found within our universe is that energy is decreasing. And uh, there's a lot more I could share on you, uh, share on you, with you about this. But basically, it's the fact that there is a finite amount of energy and it is, it is getting less, not bigger. Which when they trace that back, okay, they can come to the conclusion of a beginning. All right, so again, there's a lot more with that. But do these four make sense? You're like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm trying. Have we talked about any Bible verses? Not, not too many, right? Um, other than the fact that the Bible called it before science ever discovered it, um, which happens quite often. But those are the four, okay? There are four more that feel big, but they all make sense, okay? Number five, there must be, if those four are correct, then this would be a conclusion that would be legitimately drawn. If those four are true, the fact that the universe had a beginning, then there must be an eternal power. It doesn't say God, just an eternal power beyond the universe that caused the universe to come into existence. If the first four are true, then this is a logical conclusion. This is what would be referred to as there has to be an uncaused cause. Have you guys ever heard of the law of cause and effect? There has to be an uncaused cause or, or someone who moved the universe or something that moved the universe into existence. An unmoved mover. There has to be something or someone that has never been created. Something eternal. It's the only conclusion that makes rational sense. Now, the question then is, is that something a something or someone? Well, let's go to verse, or let's go to, not verse, point number six. And it's, this is the jump, okay, that, that, that can get you a little bit closer. And it's the fact that intelligent life exists in the universe. If there was no intelligent life in the universe, then you couldn't claim this. But there is, okay, there is. And anyone who would disagree And let's say someone said, no, I don't believe in that. There's no intelligent life that exists in the universe. You know what you'd say to that person? Well, maybe that's your experience as an unintelligent life. No, I'm just kidding. You don't say that. But but you say, even their thought, their ability to say, speak, their language to say that intelligent life doesn't exist is in and of itself, what? An intelligent statement, Okay. So it would prove at least there's enough intelligence uh, to piece those words together to say there is no intelligence. Let's take it a little bit farther. Number seven. We've got two more. Did you guys get that last one? No? Intelligent life exists in the universe. Are you still working on the first one? Well, you can get it from a neighbor later, or I can tell you later. Number seven. I'll get it to you. It takes, okay, if there is intelligent life, It takes an intelligent living being 
to create an intelligent living being. Because let's just say that power, that some people just believe in a higher power, let's say it wasn't intelligent. Well, then how could a material, inanimate, unintelligent, unconscious force produce an intelligent, living, breathing being? Of course, it couldn't. It takes a living, intelligent being to create an intelligent being. Non-life does not produce life. Right? Let's say you left the side of a mountain exposed to wind and rain and the forces of nature. It would never, you could, you could give it a million years, it would never become Mount Rushmore. It would never turn into that. Let alone you and I who are living, breathing humans. Did you know you have 206 bones, 640 mu muscles, and a heart that beats over 100,000 times a day? You see, that was an intelligent being that was able to create an intelligent life force. And eighth and finally is this. <laughs> you might say, oh, thank God. Thank the Lord. We are done. Therefore, there must be an intelligent, living, eternal power beyond the universe that created the universe. The intelligent, living, and eternal power beyond the universe is who we call God. Now, that does not answer who that God is. That's where we would have to have another study proving that the word of God is his revealed word and that the Bible is trustworthy uh, and there is reasons behind that. But through these eight, just using our brains and thinking of what we know, what we know from observable life this is the conclusion we come to. Now, for some of you tonight, you might have the perspective of, of, it almost sounds like I'm speaking a foreign language to you, and that's okay. Hopefully you get something from tonight. But what I really want you to take away, whether you know these eight or wrote down these eight, is just simply the fact that what we believe on the most basic level, listen, is rational. Because I believe that some of you are going to be in positions one day, if not, all, if not already, where someone plants the thought that what you believe is stupid, that what you believe is irrational and dumb. You need, I, want, I hope there's a seed that's planted in your head that without, you know that without even using the Bible, that that conclusion is not accurate. Trusting the word of God that our universe was created by the word of God and was created uh, and created everything is something that is reasonable. And so I want to encourage you guys, this is not an area that for us we need to be ashamed of or we need to shy away from. Listen, everyone look at me. I mean, you might still be writing. That's fine. Keep doing that. We are the ones who have the answer it is by faith that we understand. Anyone else that concludes that they understand the origin of the universe is also implementing faith. It's just not reasonable to believe what they believe. By no means, guys, am I the most intelligent person in the world and far from it. I am not a scientist. Yet what is so cool about this is that by faith in God's word, 
I can understand how things began and have a confidence that I know. And same for you. I believe because you guys have faith in Jesus, you have a step up. You have, God has given you then an ability to see things which you cannot see, right? That's what faith does. Faith be, acts like a, like a sixth sense in a way. That though we can't see God, though we can't, were, were, were any of us there in Genesis 1-1? How do you know it's true? Well, because there's reasonable evidence to trust God for that which we have not seen. And this is a principle that's going to move on with us as we go through these other uh, Old Testament characters, as we come to Abel and we come to Noah. Why would Noah believe God that, that rain was going to come? It never rained. Why is he going to build a boat? Why is Abraham going to leave his home? It's because they had come to the conclusion that God is trustworthy. And I believe that there are reasons why we trust God. And so we'll begin, we'll end with what we started with. Faith is what brings you and I to an accurate understanding of the world that we live in. Amen? Well, Father God, um, Lord, we, we thank you that you have given us what we need to put our trust in you. Lord, you, you are the one who created us to think and you have met us in our thinking. You have not asked us to turn off our brains or to set aside logic. God, you are the creator of science, logic, math, and all the rest. And God, we thank you for the world in which you created for us. God, we know that sin has disrupted this place and has messed it up. God, but there, even in the, all the mess up, God, there are so many joys on, in the universe that we live in. We look forward to that day where you clean this place up. We can't wait for Jesus to reign during that millennial kingdom on this earth and uh, where, where things are put the way that they're supposed to. God, but we, we thank you that we have the word of God to stand on and everything else. God, we pray that you would put in us confidence. We might not, Lord, I don't even, I'm not going to remember these eight points, but what I will, will remember is that when I'm on the side of the Bible and the word of God, that I'm on the right side. And, and not about winning or losing or right and wrong. God, you're the one that, that gets to set that standard. And so God, would you help us not to be harsh? Would you help us not to be, um, I don't know, God, that you, even though we're on that side of rightness, God, would you give us a heart for those that don't believe? And God, would you give us the ability to talk to those in our life that don't believe, that don't know you, and God, would you, would you help us to shine as a light for you in the midst of this dark world that has rejected your word and so has rejected wisdom, has rejected knowledge. And so God, we know that it is the beginning of knowledge. It's to fear you. 
And so, God, tonight we put our faith in you. We put our trust. And uh, we pray that you'd be glorified tonight as we worship you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.